On the Lollygaggers podcast, we believe that distance makes the heart grow fonder, which is probably why Justin and I record 3,000 miles apart from each other. In this episode, Justin continues his love affair with Michael B. Jordan and Creed 2, while Jeff burns down shopping malls playing block by block in Undertale. During the gentleman's challenge, Jane Austen rolls over in her grave so that she can watch Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe on her swanky in-casket plasma. All right, welcome to episode 35 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a geek show about all sorts of different things like comics and games, movies and TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, man? A little bit of a break. Uh, yeah, yeah, I felt good. I felt good. I uh, ate a lot of food. Um, and then there's also Thanksgiving. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same with me. Like, uh, it was Thanksgiving food and a bunch of, have you ever heard of Skyline Chili? It's like uh, for Cincinnati. No. It's garbage food. It's the worst. Um, think of, you know, uh, chili in a can, right? Put that on top of sp- some spaghetti, all right? And then put uh, an ungodly, unhealthy amount of cheddar cheese uh, on top of it. Okay, yeah, I know what this is now. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. terrible. And my wife's family loves it. And it... Uh, I still think I'm passing it. It's really, it was really, really, really greasy. So, well, well I think you just uh, moved into uh, TMI. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, what have you been doing uh, for the past couple of weeks? Uh, what do you got going? Well, I've been doing a whole bunch. One of the things I did with uh, during the trip is I went and saw Creed 2 with my brother in law. Um, and I've been looking forward to it because I saw Creed 1. I really, really enjoyed Creed 1. Uh, so, Creed 2 is directed by Stephen. Uh, Capel Jr. Um, is writer by writer of uh, Cheo Hodari Coker and Ryan Coogler. Um, so basically, this follows directly after uh, Creed One. It's maybe a couple months later, a year or two later, where he's uh, now at the end of Creed One. It's it's very very parallel to um, Rocky, where uh, he goes into a match and he's an undercard, shouldn't really be there. It gets this match just be, but in this case, it's because of his name. Uh, his father is the late Apollo Creed, um, who passed away during Rocky Four. Yeah, like thirty years ago, right? Twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what year is this set in? Uh, I think it's it. it's current time. Um, does so. does the does it does it line up? Like, how old is is Creed? Well, he's What's about his Adonis. Adonis, yeah, Adonis. Right? He, he's a he's in his mid to late twenties. You know, he's he's Michael B. Jordan. So it's basically his however old Michael B. Jordan is. So mid to late twenties, and so it holds up pretty well, like timeline wise. Um, and basically, he's an illegitimate son of Apollo Creed. And when uh, he was his, his mother died, and he was put into foster care after his father passed away, and uh, after a while, his mother picked him up, who was or his. Apollo's wife picked him up uh, to uh, kind of take care of him. And he kind of grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth. And uh, he's always had a chip on his shoulder because his father's Apollo. And always wanted to be a boxer to kind of live up to the legend. And then Rocky kind of adopts him. That's all in Creed 1. In Creed 2, he finally has a chance to go for the uh, heavyweight championship right at the beginning of the uh, movie. And he wins it. And he becomes uh, the new uh, WBA champion of the world. A heavyweight champion. And uh, so he's like top of the mountain, but uh, it wasn't really tough for him because he had been training really hard and Rocky's a really good 
teacher because at this point Rocky's in the Mickey position pretty much. And um, he's making him chase chickens and stuff. Yeah, he's making him uh, eat lightning and crap thunder. So, uh, and and Sylvester Stallone does a really good job with it too. I think he played because he went back to the whole punch drunk Rocky. Because like Rocky Four, he's a little too smart, which I don't like. Because in the first couple of Rockies, he's like borderline handicapped. Uh, but like now he's back to being like punk drunk, punch drunk, and old Rocky. The story of this movie is. Um, uh ivan drago uh has been cast out from uh russia to yugoslavia um to ukraine sorry and uh in the process i was gonna say yeah yeah in the process he like lives in uh squalor with his son and his son is a tremendous boxer and he's using his son as a way to kind of get back into uh russia and the motherland and be back you know get respect back because the idea is that the rocky four uh, his life was ruined. Um, no one looked after him anymore. No one cared about him because he lost to Rocky in his own homeland. So he basically ended up becoming a giant poor uh, loser, pretty much. So it's kind of like a juxtaposition of the original Rocky Four, where it's like, um, you know, when they're training, uh, Ivan was in like this top-notch facility, and Rocky was, you know, in the the Russian uh, mountains and stuff. And this one's backwards. Adonis was in the top knot facility, and then his son is kind of like in this droll out, you know, garbage facility where he has to kind of like train like an animal. So pretty much everything's kind of just flopped on its head. You have a uh, um an appearance by the great Dolph Lundgren. He's he's uh, basically the the trainer for his son. Um and uh Basically, it goes through the whole story, and uh, there's a fight, and Mike, uh, and there's controversy to it. But basically, Michael B. Jordan gets really messed up pretty badly, and there's a fight later on to kind of re- uh, redo this fight. And it's, again, it's in Russia, so it's like everything's really harkening back to Rocky Four. And to me, I love Rocky One, but I love the '80s-ness that is Rocky IV. So uh, to me, it's my favorite. Sure, movie I mean, like Rocky IV is a bad movie, right? It's not. It's a not good great movie, no. But it's a fun movie, you know. Like there's a big it. difference, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the entire time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, please, please, play Hearts on Fire. If you don't play Hearts on Fire, I'm just gonna be sad for the rest. Strong of the desire. And there, you know, there's a there's another like montage moment with uh, Michael B. Jordan. There is a Hearts on Fire uh, little splash of it, and I'm like, oh yeah, so good. Um, there's conflict in it that's unneeded. I don't think it was written too great, uh, not as good as the first one. Um, there's stuff with like Rocky and Adrian being dead that they should have really resolved in the first one that they didn't. Um, and like the biggest plot hole in the whole movie for me was at a certain point they're like. Uh, you can bring uh, you can bring the glory back to Russia by becoming the heavyweight champion of the world. Ukraine and Russia can finally have something they can be proud of. And to me, the biggest plot hole of that is, I guess in this universe, uh, Vladimir Klitschko doesn't exist because um, he had the title for a real long time and he's from Ukraine. So I don't understand sure. how that happened. Is it so like I, a case of like Russia hasn't had a heavy or actually no they're not heavyweight right they're like light lightweight or something no they're heavyweight because the guy is 
his boxing is huge. And at the end of the movie, Michael B. Jordan gets pretty shredded. Um, uh, okay. I thought for some, like, for some reason, I thought it was like they were fighting in a different weight class. But they're like, Victor is going to bring the glory back to Russia. I'm like, what about Vladimir? Or uh, it, 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 Vladimir Klitschko had the title for so long. Plus, he married Hayden Pintieri, right? She's she's adorable. That's plenty of glory to bring back to Mother Russia. That's the only plot hole I had in the whole movie. But uh, overall, I liked it. The fighting was good. They do like real hits because you can't fit because they do like really slow uh, high speed camera slow motion capture in some things, and you can't fake what was looking like. You can tell like there's the uncanny value when you can tell that it's uh, CGI, but like with some of these hits, you can tell like it's a hundred percent real. So like they took real full on punches to the face and. It's pretty impressive when you see stuff like that. So, anyways, Creed two, go see it. I like it. If you liked Creed one, you're gonna like Creed two. There's a couple of moments where it's like, eh, this isn't needed, but overall, I like it a lot. It's a good box. If you movie. haven't seen Creed one, should you go see Creed two? Or I'm just uh, um, asking you might, for a yeah, friend. Asking, you might be a little lost. I think it's on HBO. So watch HBO then go see Creed two. So, yeah. I know. I don't know why I haven't watched it. I just haven't really been into it. I don't it's know. I'm good. Not, I don't like it. I'm sure it is. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm really just not into sports movies right now. You know, like for some reason, I'm finding sports movies difficult. Difficult. Don't to get think into. of it as a sports movie. Think of it as a documentary about Sylvester Stallone's plastic surgery. Think of it like that. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, so that's uh, a great thing. All right, so uh, I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to talk about a very popular topic. I'm going to talk about uh, social protests uh, and uh, you know stuff like that. Uh, I want to talk about political unrest. Sounds good. Yes, political unrest and rioting and whatnot. Uh, Because I want to talk about a board game called Block by Block, the insurrection game. Uh, I talked about this back in episode ten when it was up on Kickstarter. Uh, and the game has now arrived. I have it in my possession and I have been playing it a bunch of times over the past week or so uh, with my wife. Uh, so I'm going to give my little review of it. I should note up front that I only played my wife. and I, We only played the two player cooperative version. And there is a you can play up to four players and the three and four players. You you it's not cooperative. It's like it's semi cooperative because everyone's got their own special agendas. And when you play three and four, there's like special agenda cards. There's like a Vanguard and a Nihilist where like you can potentially want to win the game in a different way. So, but we played fully cooperative just so that's particularly clear because we haven't had a chance to play it with any more because playing a game with four people, we we actually have trouble getting that. So we usually play with two or we play with like six. Uh, And so it's really hard for us to hit in the middle. But anyway, uh, this game is put out by Out of Order Games. It's designed by R.D. Lee and T.L. Simmons, who also did the the art. And as I mentioned back in episode 10, it is a the theme of the game is inspired by uh, like 21st century protest movements and riots and popular uprisings from around the world. And they mentioned on the Kickstarter campaign uh, things like Athens in 2008, Oakland in 2009. And they, they went into some detail. They have some nice little uh, like historical and social context to it. So anyway, the game itself, uh, everyone plays, each person plays a faction that's participating in a civil uprising within some kind of fictional city. And they're fighting primarily against the the state government and law enforcement of this city, this fictional this fictional city. And there's four different factions you can play, play as. There's the workers, uh, there's prisoners, there's neighbors, which are I, I, I equate them to like, I don't know, like hippies or something. And then there's students. Uh, The game itself takes place on a modular board that is made up of city tiles. And the city tiles are broken down into different categories. There is public 
uh, tiles like city parks and things like that. There's state uh, state tiles or state run or federal federally run facilities. There's uh, the worker tiles, there's which are usually like um, like factories and things like that. Students, which are usually colleges or universities. Prisoners, which are some sort of prison, obviously, and neighbors. And I don't remember off the top of my head specific examples of neighbors, but there's also commercial districts as well. I have uh, a quick question about this. Yeah. So I'm looking at this board. Is your board cloth as well? And you have to like put the tiles on it? Yes. All right. So the tiles, they get shuffled up and they're just random every time you put them on. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, actually, because you shuffle it a couple different ways. Um, like the, the the game setup. So there's all these little these all these little cardboard, um, like you know, thick, heavy cardboard uh, district tiles. And so the city's broken up into these different districts, like I was saying, break, you know, broken down into those categories and you separate them based upon A, B or C. And then you shuffle each one of those stacks up. And then as you shuffle them, not only are you doing like traditional shuffling, but you're also rotating the tile as well, because the way the orientation of the tile, when you place it down on the mat, uh, changes the way in which the various streets and highways interact with one another. So there's a lot of different there's a lot of different variability that goes into how you actually put the, the tiles down. Um, and then there's like specific rules here and there about where certain things from stack A go and stack B go and stack C. So, yeah, all of it becomes modular. So every time you play, the board state is completely different. Uh, there's always some like it's always different like there's always like oh there's a dead end here and you didn't expect it or that there's like a super highway that that like makes this loop and it's super easy to get to this place so uh, yeah there's all sorts of it's really cool actually I love how that works I love those types of games so on all on these district tiles like one of the things you're basically doing in the game is you're building occupations um, on these tiles all but the commercial tiles so public state worker student prisoner neighbor you can build on commercially you just loot you just you just raid and loot the the, the various storefronts um so you can build what are called occupations and there's basically two kinds there's assembly halls which give you more blocks and blocks are like the little cubes that you move around they're basically your protesters and your rioters and then the other type of occupation is a social center uh, and social centers allow you to loot useful items from the loot deck and that's things like molotovs and groceries and cell phones and stuff like that which all have different effects in the game uh, so at the start of the game everyone has one occupation in their faction starting area from which they can spawn new uh new blocks new rioters every turn and they also have a secret objective now the co-op game like i said everyone's got social agendas so we're all working together and so my wife and i we just played it face up um, there's no reason to keep it secret because we we only win if we both complete our objectives and so we try to help each other as best we can um, now the objectives themselves usually involve building occupations in all of your factions districts and so there's usually four of those because each 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 of the prisoner workers neighbors and students all have like their own colored tile um, and there's four of them and you start with one already built and then you have to build in the other ones. And then in addition to that, there's usually one other objective you have to do. And sometimes this could be like build an build an occupation in a state district or build an occupation in a public district or just set a bunch of shopping centers on fire. I mean, like that's another thing you could do too, which is pretty fun. So on your turn, uh, like the, the game takes place in sort of two phases. There's nighttime and then there's sunrise. And so during nighttime is when you do your actions. So during nighttime, you roll some, some dice, some D6. Uh, to start your turn and what comes up on those dice determines what you basically can do with your blocks during your turn now the higher the better on those rolls is generally generally speaking the way you want to go um, you start with three dice and then as the game progresses and as you gain more blocks you gain more dice and as you gain more dice you gain more actions because you're basically spending dice on your turn to perform various actions there's very simple actions like moving and building 
uh, and build, excuse me, moving and building barricades specifically. So you can move anywhere you want. You just can't move through a space that has a dead end or you can't move through a space uh, that has like cops in the way, right? But otherwise you can like one, spending one can take like a whole mess little blocks from one side of the city all the way to the others, as long as the streets line up and as long as there's no cops in the way. So it's pretty cool actually. Uh, and then you can build barricades and barricades are really useful whenever cops start moving around the city because it can disrupt their movement. Um, or you can use more advanced actions for your dice. Now, these include things like looting shopping centers, which I already mentioned, uh, building occupations or attacking cops and riot vans that are on the same city square as your own rioters or protesters or something like that. But the problem is with advanced actions, you have to roll what's called a reaction roll. Uh, and whenever you have to roll a reaction roll, what could potentially happen is well, essentially bad things. Uh, so if you roll like a one, for instance, uh, a, a cop will spawn. If you roll a two, then you have to draw from what's called the police ops deck. And this sort of causes the cops to move around the city. And you don't want that, right? You want to actually keep the cops kind of corralled, stay out of the, stay out of their sight, et cetera. So whenever you do those advanced actions, you have to make that kind of reaction roll. Now, Advanced actions also, you really want the higher rolls on your die. You want your threes and your fours and your fives and your sixes because each district's tile, um, every one of them has a number on it and it's a number of three to six. And that is essentially how difficult it is to perform one of these advanced actions on that tile. So for instance, if you're at a park that's got the, the number six on it, that means that if you wanna build an occupation on that particular tile, you have to have a six. Like of the dice that you roll to start your turn, you have to have a six. You have to spend the six there. Um, and so that can be kind of kind of difficult to manage those dice. And it can also get a little frustrating from time to time when you want to build an occupation, for instance, uh, and you only roll like threes or less and you can't, you know, you can't actually build anything. You're kind of you're kind of SOL or you really need to clear out a riot van. But in order to attack the riot van, you only can use like really high like these, you know, like fives and sixes. And you, you don't have anything. Now, there are some loot cards like Molotovs, which add extra value to dice uh, for attack actions, or there's groceries, which add extra value when you're trying to liberate a city or something like that. So there's ways to mitigate some of your poor rolling if you do roll poorly, if you're looting and you're getting items. So that's kind of helpful. Molotovs might add one to your attack dice or two to your attack dice or three to your attack dice. So that's kind of useful. Um, now, the, now, different factions also have their own passive benefit. So like prisoners, for instance, if you play that faction, automatically, whenever you use a dice to attack, you're automatically getting plus one because, you know, then prisoners are much better at fighting than, you know, the students. Whereas like the worker faction, like the labor, the people who are like striking, like kind of unionists, um, they are really good at building. So whenever you try to build an occupation, you gain plus one to your build. So there's, again, there's ways to mitigate the dice. I don't know if there's enough, but there's definitely ways to do it. Um, so after you kind of complete all of your actions that turn, you kind of go through all your dice, etc. You also you you end kind of your part of the nighttime, and you have to check the the police morale because there's a little tracker for police morale, and based upon their morale, you kind of you have to draw additional police ops cards. So there's this whole deck of basically AI cards that dictate the way in which cops move around or riot vans move it around or whether or not there's reinforcements that get called, so more cops come into the city or whether or not. Um, their morale goes up. So there's all sorts of different things that affect it. Um, so once everyone does their turn, you go to the sunrise phase. And that's during sunrise, that's when police attack. So if if you have any police cubes or riot vans in your city, in your city district, when sun the sun comes up, they, they take you out. I mean, that's basically how it works. 
Um, usually it's like a one for one, you know, it's like a one trade. Like if there's one little white cube that represents a riot cop and you have one of your like yellow cubes for a worker, they take you out. But a riot van, those things are brutal because they not only take out like your people, but they take out your your occupations. And so now you have to rebuild your stuff. And so it's really frustrating. Um, and, and you really want to keep an eye on, on those riot vans and take them out when you can isolate them and stay away from them when there's like a big mob moving around. Um, so also in the sunrise phase, what you do is you there's another tracker in game. It's just called the countdown. And so while this is all happening, like your objective not only is to, to complete your agendas, you know, build your occupations, burn down your, your shopping malls, whatever it might be. But also you have to do it on a timer and you have to do it before the countdown timer, the, the track in the game reaches zero. And at the and, and during the sunrise phase, you always reduce that countdown based upon police morale. And so you have to keep morale down. And so as those ops cards are you're drawing those over and over again, often you're increasing police morale. And so you have to take them back down. And the way you do this is by beating them up. You get in fights with them, you know, and you take out the riot vans, you disable them. And that's how you start reducing them. So there's a whole lot of different things that you have to keep an eye on because you have to try to build your stuff. But then you have to kind of also build some barriers to keep funneling the the cops in a certain way. You have to keep an eye on that police morale tracker. And then you have to keep an eye on the countdown thing. So there's all sorts of little things that that's uh, that you have to keep track of. Um, so overall, I mean, like that's that's the basic game. That's the whole thing. We've played it a bunch. Um, overall, I, I enjoy it, but I want to punch it in the face uh, because and I said this to you and I know you're confused. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a board I, game, Jeff. It's well, I know, but like, you know, I just like there's like this big white block waving a flag on the damn book right now that I'm looking at. And I just want to punch it. And it's because there are times when like I roll dice and again, like we, we should have won the last game we played. And so I get we get to the last turn and all I had to do, I had five dice and all I had to do was roll two fours or better. And I didn't. I rolled less than that. And then we still had a check at the second chance. We still had a second chance. All I had to do when it was like my turn at the end, when I was like looting something, all I had to do was just not roll a one and roll a one. And so like there are times when like the dice really dictates it. Part of me wonders whether or not you even really need the dice in this game, to be honest. Like there's randomness that comes from this, the variability of the setup of the of the board. And there's randomness that comes from, you know, the card draw, card draw obviously the RNG, RNG of that, like the police ops cards and, and things. Um, and there's also this thing called uh, liberate. So you can, you can, if you stack up enough of your your blocks on a specific district, you can liberate it, which means you flip the tile over. And if you flip the tile over, it becomes easier to do things on it, like easier to um, uh, easier to like attack or something like that on it. Like the number goes down from like six to five or five to four or whatever. And plus, you also get other benefits sometimes. If you liberate public districts, you actually can stop the countdown timer, which after a game or so, my wife and I realized like this was actually a really important thing. We should be doing this pretty frequently. Um, we found it a little easy at two initially because we were playing on the beginner uh, level and I think the intermediate level. And it was pretty easy for us. Um, but we've been playing it on the advanced level now. And it's yeah, it's uh, it's a little harder now. It's a little harder. Um, Who would have thunk it? Yeah, I mean, it, it can get out. It definitely can get out of hand pretty quickly sometimes. And there's all different ways in which the, uh, you know, the cops move around the city. Like one of the things that I think I'm, I'm not sure if we're playing it wrong, but it's it's certainly possible we could be. But I don't think we are. Like I just don't feel like the riot vans move enough. But um, but essentially, the difference in the uh, the difficulty level has to do with what you with the cards that you put in the police ops deck. And so at a higher difficulty, you're putting in a lot of reinforcement cards and reinforcement cards are when you put more cops out on the board and when you, you know, when you increase morale and stuff like that. Um, 
But overall, it's not a particularly heavy game. It's not very complicated. Uh, there's, you know, it's pretty simple in terms of the actions that you can do. Uh, so there's really nothing too difficult. It's it's pretty easy to pick up. The instruction manual is pretty good. Uh, it's a good mix of like text, but also has a series of examples and good images. Uh, it's a small box. It's not a particularly big box. So it doesn't take up a whole lot of space on the shelf. And I imagine shipping uh, might not be too too bad with it uh, either. Um, I think the the components are pretty good. Uh, it's basically wooden cubes, so it, you know that's a pretty standard when it comes to board games. I do like the cloth mat. Uh, it's not like neoprene because neoprene is like you know that's the good stuff, right? But this is still pretty nice, and I think and I just I absolutely love games that use modular tiles, um, and so that's what this did. Uh, I do think it's easy for this game to get a little frustrated. I get I get a little frustrated when RNG when dice rolls like. Inter interfere with my strategy like when like i figured it out you know i puzzle like we got the puzzle we got it down we're good all we got to do is roll two uh fours or better on these five dice and i can't do that and i lose because of it that's like that's that's super frustrating but at the same time that's part of the game so you know you know what you're you're signing up for at least that's what my wife says uh but uh i was so mad like i wanted to flip the table today uh but at the same time i want to go back and play it again so that should uh should say something so i think it's a really good game i think it's a cool theme that we don't really uh, we don't really see much in board games. We don't really talk about too much. Uh, it's not too serious on the board. It's pretty offset by some fairly colorful, cartoonish looking uh, imagery. Uh, but like the inspiration behind it is good. Like the like there's meaning behind it, and that's uh, that's kind of a nice thing to see. So I definitely recommend this game, especially for people that might be getting into board gaming for new uh, fairly fairly early because it's not that complicated to play, and it's a good co op game. And I really would like to at some point try it at three or four because I want to see what that, that kind of semi-co-op circuit agenda stuff might work. So, uh, But block by block, the Insurrection game is available now. Uh, you can purchase it from Out of, Order's game, Out of Order Games uh, website, I believe. And it, I think it's probably in, it might it might also be in some, uh, some actual vendors right now. But pretty good game, pretty solid game. Uh, I definitely recommend it. All right, man. All right. So it's time for us to go do our Gentleman's Challenge. And now, it's time for the Gentleman's Challenge. So the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast where Justin and I like to give each other a homework assignment. Uh, this homework assignment usually uh, entails watching a movie, watching some TV episodes, playing a game, something like that, maybe reading a comic every now and then. Uh, and then to ensure that we completed our homework, we come back on the next episode and we quiz each other about it. Sometimes these uh, these assignments are meant to drive the other crazy. and Sometimes uh, they're meant to just, you know, just reward them for being a good friend. Uh, I should also warn you that everything we do in the Gentleman's Challenge is very spoiler heavy. So if you're worried about hearing how a particular movie ends or a game ends uh, about one of the concepts that we're covering today, you certainly don't want to listen until after you've uh, experienced that movie for yourself. Uh, and on that note, uh, Justin, who, who's going first? I think I was first last time, so it's probably going to be you. Pretty sure. Okay, it's me then. All right, so Justin assigned me uh, a video game, actually, um, for the first time. It's the first time we've done a video game in a while, I think. Uh, but you assigned me Undertale, which is a uh, very beloved game, uh, kind of an indie game, indie RPG. It came out, I want to say 2015, something like that. It's been out for a while. Um, it is an RPG. It's designed, written, and published by a, essentially kind of a, a one-man band here named Toby Fox. Um, and you basically play as a kid that you get to name. I name mine Schmaps. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> you get to play as a kid uh, who, and the kid's a human, falls uh, into the underground, and the underground is essentially like this big old mountain-ish, like underground monster, like monster-filled area. And there's all these monsters that escape down there years in the past. There's all sorts of story to it. And the monsters just call it home. Um, but those are called the underground. And the underground is separated from the non-underground, so the, the upper part, uh, by some sort of magical force sphere or barrier of some kind. Um, so any human that falls into the underground, like the kid did, uh, is going to have trouble getting back up. And so the game itself is about you as the kid working your way through the underground so that you can return to humanity and wherever humanity might be. Now, during the course of the game, like as you're exploring the underground, uh, you are encountering a whole mess load of monsters. Um, the first is Flowey, uh, who is a giant sunflower slash dick. And I don't mean that <laughs> literally, but that's kind of what he is. And he tries to trick you and he talks to you about love and da 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 da. And then he turns on you and he starts fighting you. And then there's Toriel, who is basically a cow demon, I think, who uh, bakes you a cinnamon butterscotch pie, which is very polite. Um, and tries to keep you in her house for a while, uh, makes you a bedroom and everything like that, um, and then won't let you go downstairs. And then you keep trying to go downstairs. She just keeps getting like a little more annoyed at you every time. Uh, but the reason she's keeping you there is because she doesn't want you to die. And and because this has kind of happened before, like any human who has tried to escape from the underground has died as they tried to navigate the various other places. Um, and so you have to. Like as part of like the ruins, which is the first major area, Toriel's like the last boss. And then you have to get, if you get past her, then you can actually start to leave. Um, there's others as well. I mean, specifically, she like she's concerned with, I think that the dude's name was Asgore Dreamer. Like Dreamer, not like spelt like a normal person, but two E's and a U and two Everything's R's. misspelled in this game. Everything's just a touch odd. Um, and, and that's like the king of the underground. I haven't gotten to, to Asgore, so I don't know. So there's a bunch of other really colorful and interesting characters uh, throughout that you meet. There's the Skeleton Brothers, who I like. Those are my favorite. That was Sans and Papyrus. Uh, so Sans likes to tell really terrible jokes and is a fairly apathetic person, uh, while or Skeleton, uh, while his brother really wants to capture a human so that he can be part of the Royal Guard for Undyne. He's also the most dastardly villain you've ever met with the best sure, plans absolutely. ever. For, uh, indeed indeed and so so uh papyrus wants to be part of the royal guard for undyne and undyne is a fish person and she's got an eye patch and i think she's like the boss area of like what the waterfall area i can't remember the names of all the areas apparently there's also a dinosaur scientist and a robot tv host but i don't think i interacted with them um so the game and then there's like a whole bunch of other monsters you know there's like there's like frogs and then there's like big old eyes uh, that you talk to and you make fun of. And then there's ghosts who like to wear dapper hats and things like that. It's just, it's just weird. It's just, it's absolutely bizarre. Did you ever uh, encounter the greater dog? No. What's the greater dog? The greater dog is like hiding behind a bush. And like, if you just like avoid it, it just gets closer and closer to you. And like, you're, you know how like, it's like a grid you look at when you're fighting people. So like the dog just gets yeah. closer and closer and closer to you. It's really weird. It's the, one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. 
Yeah, I mean, the game itself has a wonderful charm to it. Like, it's it's all about being playful and funny and also being somewhat nostalgic because I feel like the game itself is kind of hearkening back a little bit to, like, old-school RPGs, like early Final Fantasies, early Dragon Warriors, like, before we went 3D when it was, like, sprites, you know, sprites wandering around on a map. And then you wander until a certain point when all of a sudden music happens and, like, the the screen gets all weird and then a random battle occurs. And then during the battle... You know, you fight whatever you just got attacked by. Only in Undertale, um, the fighting's different. It's actually a little bit more interesting. So, on the, first of all, you don't have to fight. Like one of the things you can do is you can you can try to spare them, right? You can talk and negotiate and stuff like that. And then you can also fight them if you want, and that's fine too if that's your decision. But when it, regardless of what you're doing, it's kind of like a mini game. Like everything's basically a mini game. So whatever you fight or whatever you're negotiating with, you're either kind of trying to solve a puzzle, uh, like in a sense, like, well, how am I trying to convince this person to be friends with me? Like, do I do I cheer them? Do I flirt with them? Do I threaten them? Like, what do I do if you're trying to be merciful and not kill them? Because if you're nice enough to them and you talk to them enough, then you can eventually spare them. And then that's when they run, you know, and they leave and like you, you won the battle without killing them and that's cool. Or you can fight them. And if you fight them, it's also like a mini game. And sometimes when you're, even when you're, you're being merciful, like you have to like dodge their attacks because they're still kind of attacking you and you have to do this little mini game. And a lot of them are like avoidance, right? You're trying to like in a space invaders type way, avoid stuff falling or, or shooting at you, or you have to dodge out of the way of stuff bouncing around on, on this tiny little box. Uh, and that's, and it gets, you know, it gets more and more difficult depending on which, you know, which creature that you encounter. And especially the boss fights can get pretty crazy. Um, now, I think this the central conceit, like I did some more reading about the game. I haven't finished the game. I don't know if I will, but I haven't finished the game. But the central conceit or what I think is the, like the very, like the coolest aspect of this is that the end is incredibly and heavily impacted by the choices that you make throughout the game. And from what I was reading, there's apparently three basic paths that you can take. There's neutral, which means you killed some monsters and you spared some, spared some others. So you're a little bit of both. There's uh, there's pacifists. Where that's the path you could take, which is what I've been doing, actually. The next one's my favorite way to... Well, I, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Uh, which is, so the pacifist ones means you, you don't kill anybody. You don't kill any monsters. And then there's what I think is like a very lovingly titled uh, the genocide route, right? And that's <laughs> where you... Where you just kill everything, like you just you kill everything. I like how it's called genocide. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's accurate, right? <laughs> like it's yeah, you're annihilating all the monsters in their home. You're killing much. every single monsters, and some of them are sweet, you know. So there's like little the little sad froggets, like where everyone X's through their conversation with them, which I I wanted to as well sometimes. Um, but I mean, overall, like that's kind of you you pick a path and depending upon what you do, like I guess like the endings are radically different, like in the sense that you open up different story elements or like even the neutral one where you killed some and didn't kill others, like the ending apparently changes a little bit too. I don't know what the genocide one is. I imagine it's just like a like I think you should start playing like uh like you know, some sort of other game where you're just constantly like every other game like kills everything. So it's pretty much like everything else. So I mean, overall, the game is the game frustrated me, to be honest. Um, I was very bored a lot of the times playing it. Um, and and that's not to say that it isn't a good game, because I think it is actually a very good game. And I think it took me it took me a while to get going because I mentioned to you like a week ago when I first started playing. Because I, I start I, I mostly most of the most of my playtime was over is like a week ago. Like I, I played a lot over like the Thanksgiving holiday. But I haven't and I tried to play again this this week a little bit more, but it's been a couple of days. But 
one of my one of the frustrations like i like old school gaming like i do i like old school gaming but one of my biggest frustrations of like old school dragon warrior dragon quest or old school like chrono trigger etc was the random encounter like where you're the sprite and you're wandering around and you look at a map the map is static and then all of a sudden you don't see anything you don't see any monsters and all of a sudden something pops up and attacks you and it's just always such an inconvenience because you're trying to go do something else like i'm trying to get to this next room or i'm trying to solve this little puzzle you know whatever it might be or i'm doing some fishing uh, whatever, whatever it can be. And it like this pops up and it just gets kind of irritating after a while. And it just always be, it always feels like that's getting in the way. Now, I mean, Undertale, I mean, I, I that's almost an unfair criticism because like part of the game is, you know, so much of the game is about that interaction and the choices you make in the action. Now, so I'll say this, like th- once the battle occurs and you're having these random battles, right? What's going on in there is significant, right? Like, like, the, like, there's actually choices you're making in there. Whereas in those other games, you you didn't really have choices to make. Like, you you fight and you just pick whatever it is. Like, if you want to cast a spell or if you want to do a you know a melee attack, whatever it is, you just do your attack and that's it. Like, it's one note and there's just different strategies. Whereas, like the under in Undertale, like the uh, the basic idea of okay, well. I can either attack or I can talk to them or I can spare them or I can flee. And if I do spare them, well, how do I go about doing it? And then on top of that, it isn't just picking a menu item. Now you actually have to do a mini game and that mini game can be fun. If you're not old and bad at those mini games, which is what I am, (laughs) you know, I haven't really been playing a ton of video games lately. So my skills have eroded significantly uh, and so that's kind of where a lot of my frustration was going. Like I would constantly be getting killed. Now there's saves. So there's like, there's like an easy save system. So you just go back to wherever the star was. So it's not that big a deal, but and I don't know how heavy of a grind is or how long the game takes to play, but like I did feel a little bit of that frustration. I felt like I was doing a chore or I felt like, okay, I got to do this again. I got to do this again. I got to do this again. And that's always kind of annoying, which is a little bit frustrating because overall, I really like the story. <laughs> like, I like what's happening in it. And I love the fact that you can actually not fight anything. Like, what a novel idea. Now, I did, after about an hour and a half of doing that, get super bloodthirsty and just want to kill something. Uh, so that wasn't good. Uh, but I think that says something more about me than it says about the game. But overall, I... I like the game, but it really took a while for it to hit for me. Like at first I was bored and frustrated and then I started to kind of get it a little bit more and I started to do a little bit better at some of the mini games. And then I started to have like a strategy and a plan. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be going pacifist. I'm going to be doing this. That's my strat. And so will I continue playing it? I'm not entirely sure. We'll see maybe over the, over the Christmas holiday when I have a couple weeks off from work. Uh, I might give it a try, but I have a lot of other games on the list that I need to get to. But that is my review, I suppose, of Underdeath. So I, the way I was able to come up with questions for you is I watched a walkthrough. And um, I did something I thought I'd never do. I watched a PewDiePie walkthrough because he's probably the only one I saw that was somewhat interesting of watching it. So mm, okay. his, he went the pacifist route. He didn't try to fight anybody. Hey, that's and what I did. There's a few things that are interesting. So what he did first, did you fight the the cow person or did you not fight her? Well, I mean, you you get into a fight with her. It's just whether or not you attack her, right? Yeah, so, did you attack like, her or not? 
No, I never did. I didn't attack anybody. All I ever so, did with her is just like, I basically just guilt tripped her because she's like, fight yeah. me. And I'm like, no. And she's like, no, seriously, you need to fight me. You're not going to make it. And I'm like, no. And, he's like, and so it took a really long time. And eventually, like, the mini game became super easy because I just sat in the middle and like she avoids you. Yeah, she just avoids you because like you're getting to her. Right. Which is awesome. And that's what I mean about like it felt like there was like some really cool story going on. And I just wish I didn't have to do some of the other tedious things and I could just, you know, do the story. So when he did it, he first beat her. Right. Where like you becomes like, like she has a ton of health. And then he eventually beat her like one hit did like the entire thing. Like it's kind of somewhat scripted. And then he went back to his save and did it again and didn't fight her. And then we went to the room with Flowey. Right. Flowey knew that he had saved his game, went back and changed his decision oh, and wow. made commentary and broke the fourth wall saying, oh, so you think that you can control the outcome of what's going oh, yeah, on here? Save scummer. Who do you think you are? It's pretty interesting how, how stuff like that happens, which I thought was pretty cool about the games very fourth wall breaking so are you yeah, ready really for interesting. your you ready for your questions i don't feel like i'm gonna do well because I, I don't either because there's much. a lot of branches that could have happened i know it's gonna be a weird quiz but anyway give, give it a go let's, let's all right see. did you ever uh encounter a mold small uh yeah it looked like uh it looked like a jello mold okay did you ever check it and when you checked it when you checked it, what was it? Um, oh my god, I think it was it was attractive and had no brains. Um, very good, sir. Very, uh, good. but there was another word like a really big word, curvaceous, curvaceous, curvaceously attractive curvaceous. with no brains. Very good, sir. You get yourself, a yes. I, I checked, uh, I, I got into the habit of checking pretty much everything because Is I think funny. Checking- often gives you tips on how to like deal with it or you know stuff like that so that's what i was kind of doing like eventually it becomes kind of like a little bit of a puzzle right and i kind of like that i think it just took me a while to understand how to play the game like, and then what I the hell out. is this thing yeah Pretty and much. once i figured out i'm like oh, okay i'm getting it now so yeah okay, all right cool. so when you're in the house there's a book and there's a joke in the book jeffrey i want to know why did the skeleton want a friend because he was bonely you're absolutely right sir he was bonely i know i knew you were gonna ask that question (laughs) i was like that's a solid joke right there i like that i know i I like it absolutely right all right uh what is it so when you're talking to uh papyrus he says all sans does is this what is all what is all that sans does according to papyrus (sighs) what does all sans do and like for those who don't know about this Papyrus is the one who's the tall, skinny one, like Papyrus font, which he talks in. And then Sans is the short, fat one, like Comic Sans, which he talks in. So, what does Papyrus say all Sans does? What does he say Sans does? Um, I do not remember. Um, I do remember that Sans plays a trombone, and that's one of the reasons why he was my favorite because I played a trombone. Uh, but I don't think that's what he said. But yeah, there you go. All right. So all he says that uh, Sans does is sit and bond dongle. I don't know what bond dongling is, but I'm curious as to knowing what it isn't is. It, isn't it boondoggle? Nope. It was bond dongle. You sure it's not boondoggle? Because boondoggle is like a thing. Like I've heard that. Yeah. Also, 99% of the stuff in this game. That's true. Yeah. Over. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So this is some bond Okay. 
Did you ever encounter the spaghetti? Uh, is that what it was called? There's spaghetti frozen on a table. Spaghetti for no, I don't think so. Uh, maybe I've gotten that far then. All right. Uh, well, there's a moment where there's spaghetti sitting on a table and stuck on the table because it's frozen. There's a microwave next to it. What is the microwave set for? What is the setting on the microwave? You may not have this. I'm not sure. It's okay if you don't, but <laughs> I have no idea. Um... The setting on the microwave was spaghetti. Oh, you know, okay. the okay. common microwave setting that most people have on their microwaves that just says spaghetti. But that's actually a thing that a lot of microwaves I noticed they're doing when my wife and I bought a bought uh, our new house a couple years ago and we were getting new uh uh like new appliances. There's a lot of like idiot buttons now where it's just like this is pizza. Like you don't actually have to put a number in, like you just press this button for pizza. And it's like, what is this? Like are people that dumb? But okay. right, so last question. Okay. So papyrus never has to wonder about what. In one of his monologues that he has, he talks about he never has to wonder what it's like what. Hmm. I don't think I know this one either. Never has to wonder about. Never has to wonder about. I don't know. And where do you get these questions from? It's from dialogue. This is like normal. Well, that's dialogue. the thing. Like, I I tended to hit the button too fast sometimes. That's probably not supposed to hit X. That's why the frogs are. I did. I know. My controls were weird because I was hitting Enter. I don't know. Um, I do not remember. Do not know the answer. He this never wonders about what it's like having lots of friends and, and that think you're cool. Oh gosh, darn it! I knew the answer to that. Come on, man. That's why I like Papyrus. Cause he's like a complete loser, and like he thinks he's a. A dastardly villain, but he's just like an average guy that no one really likes. And it's just like, ha! I have the perfect plan. Hmm. Let me hold on. I gotta grab the the orb from you real quick, and then he shows you exactly the right path to walk. It's it's really funny. So, those are my questions. You got two out of five. One That's of which way better than I thought I was gonna do. Yeah, and especially in a game that has lots of branches. So I was over, the whole time I was doing. I, was like, I haven't touched it for like five days. How how is he gonna answer these questions? I don't know if they're gonna be the same. So. Two to five. Not bad, my friend. Not bad. So, your turn. Justin, what uh, what were you giving for homework? I was giving the Christmas classic. Pride. Instant Pride. classic. Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe. Pride, Pride. Prejudice, and Mistletoe. I'm just going to repeat it. That's directed by Don McBrady with writers Nina Weinman and Melissa De La Cruz. It stars Lacey Chabert from party of five fame is it chabert or is it chabert i'm pronouncing the t because i'm an american i always thought it was like chabert i could be wrong this is america we say all of our letters all right what that's not true what do you anyways so it stars lacey chabert uh from party of five fame or also uh she was the girl that kept on trying to say fetch and uh mean girls all the time because fetch definitely wasn't going to happen uh, so she is basically her name is Darcy, Darcy Fitzwilliam. And Darcy mm-hmm. is a uh, I couldn't tell if it was like a hedge fund manager or uh, just like a, a stock. She's an investor of some kind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, investor. And she works for a company that is really looking to try and up the prices of the people that they work with. And she's looking more to help small businesses and stuff like that. So she's not terribly pleased with her, her job. But work, 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 work. She has a tough time 
with her time in New York. She goes back home to her family where her father is trying to make her partner of his current uh, uh, investment company, where she has a uh, ex-fiance who also works for that investment company in New York. And she's trying to get back and just see family. And he just is kind of getting in the way because she doesn't really love him anymore. And it's more kind of a situation where they work out good for the business, but for love, not so much. All right. In the process of coming home, she sees her old friend, Luke. And Luke was uh, a rival in the debate team when they were kids. Luke also is probably the most handsome man that's ever been born. Uh, uh, I don't agree with that at all. What? I was pretty very, handsome guy. I never liked it when he smiled. He ever. did have a little like something ooh. was weird about his smile. I, I don't get it. It's like, a, it's like a like a V thing going on. It's like it's, it never yeah. felt like he was really smiling. You know. So Luke is. Luke, an do you know rival. Luke's last name? Yeah, Luke, Luke's last uh, name. I can't remember. Oh, one. Oh, for one. That was one. Oh, nuts. I don't know. Anyways, Luke owns a, a small restaurant in town, and he's trying to make a bigger business out of it. And they meet each other, and they just don't like each other very much because of the time they had when they were kids. They were never really good friends. But over time, their hearts warm up to one another, and she realizes the big city life isn't for her anymore. Her mother is trying to run a uh, a like fundraiser to help out a local ch- uh, child like youth group and yes usually it's just the fundraiser in this case they decided to do a uh, decorated trees fundraiser where they would do an auction for a bunch of decorated trees and they have the kids come and sing for them but every time they keep planning mm. stuff stuff keeps falling out from under them i think that's, that's incorrect Justin. i think they were doing an auction for the trees because they were going to go out on dates with the trees i think that's there's <laughs> a bunch of dendrophiliacs it's great yeah weird uh so Problem A, B, and C just keeps popping up, and Darcy's got to keep on trying to figure it out. Meanwhile, Luke's handsome. So when this is all happening, uh, they slowly fall in love and they kiss each other at the end. So that's 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 pretty much the movie. It's like I would ask other, you what you thought of it, but it's I don't every see other, how you can think it's anything but amazing. It's every other Hallmark movie, but there's Christmas trees in it. Like it's the same. It's magical though. <laughs> Wait, all the other Hallmark movies don't have Christmas trees. Yeah, they don't. It's just this one. It's every so it's you know, remember that did you ever see a family guy joke where it's like, I'm so busy, I have a meeting with a meeting. He goes, For the next hour and a half, I'm gonna save all your life problems with my penis. And that's pretty much what this movie is, where it's like, My life's what? too complicated. Thank God this man's here to make me feel better and put things in perspective. It's just kind of like everything great happens, nothing bad happens. It's an adorable they love each other movie, and at the end they kiss. Of course, it's a Hallmark movie. That's how they work. The romance yeah. is silly. Jeez. And like every super handsome guy in the area loves her, even though she's like three feet tall. That's kind of a lisp. Well, but what? Like, yeah. What are you doing now? That you're such a jerk. That's, Either that's, way, that's mean spirited right there. That's I was just upset because they never her for her height and for okay. I was upset they never said fetch once in the whole movie. They should have said fetch at least one time. I don't understand. But I mean, it's fine. It's basic. It's your predictable Hallmark movie. Yeah, basic. And it's this thing where it's like there's minimal conflict. There's minimal problems. Everyone's super handsome and beautiful. And uh, 
everyone's rich and awesome. That's pretty much what every Hallmark movie is. Except so. for Luke's brother. I thought Luke's brother looked a little bit like, I don't know, like he was he was from like a like maybe some sort of uh, like meth commercial. <laughs> I don't know. Still, really, still, really still meth handsome, though. Like he's meth. No, handsome. no. Like he was he was like, you know, the before. Uh, not the after or something. I don't he's know. like the you know when they show the progression pictures, he's like halfway through. Anyways, that's Hallmark. It's meh. I watched the whole thing. I was gonna watch wow. it with my family, but we got so busy with stuff in Kentucky. So me and my wife watched it tonight. That's why we're recording a little bit later because it was live on Hallmark. We watched it uh, on Hallmark Channel tonight before we started talking, and. um it was just so magical and wonderful. The only reason it's a Christmas movie is because there's Christmas trees and snow. Other than that, it has nothing to do with Christmas. So, yeah. It's the same story at Hallmark. All Hallmark's stories are so. Right. Justin, do you know the story of Pride and Prejudice? Uh, I was supposed to read it in like the 10th grade, and then I ignored the whole thing. So, no. Not really. That's a shame. That's a shame. Uh. I like Bride and Prejudice. It's very good. Uh, they did a lot of inversions in here because uh, Lacey Chabert's uh, Darcy Fitzwilliam is basically the name of the male character in Pride and Prejudice. And then Luke Bennett was Elizabeth Bennett, basically, which is the main female lead. And they're the two that fall in love. It's all about them being too proud and like stubborn and stuff, which is kind of what they are in a way in the movie. But, you know, only with something or other like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's based on that. I want them to do a crossover between Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe and Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. And so yes. I want it to be Pride, Prejudice, Mistletoe, and Zombies. I think that would be a really nice mix. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, you get some Christmas, you get some zombies. I mean, that's that's two uh, genres of films, two different types of seasons there in one. It's like the Nightmare Before Christmas or like... Uh, What's that Krampus movie? You know, it's horror slash Christmases. Right. Yeah. And it would solve like the one of the main problems of this movie, which is the fact that there's no real conflict and it's all really generic and every every solution just wonderfully falls in her lap and she never really has oh, to. Oh wow. I mean, what are we gonna do? The the the, the waiters canceled on us. Oh hey, I have twelve kids. Let's that can use help. these children as slave labor. Let's do that. So yeah, that's pretty much what it is. It's so like, the first question I was going to ask you, and I'm not going to do it, but I'm just going to tell you what I was thinking. Like the first question was be like, so how white is this movie? Like, oh, it is so white. It's like now so, I think of it, I can't think of a single person of color other than her assistant. I think might have been. Well, no, uh, her. Okay, so there were two places in which black people actually showed up in this movie. One of them was oh, one of the partners was one of the partners who was trying to steal her job. Yeah. Basically, well, and the other was one Asian too uh well no the other one was um oh gosh it was like in the in the chorus or something like that but i don't know it just it was very uh yeah i don't know but it may i guess because pride presses if you like pride presses all about it like, was as white as this as the fake snow in the film that's how white it was yeah yeah okay so let's get to the actual questions uh you, you're over one you're over one you didn't get the the references but that's fine maybe maybe if i read a book every once in a right week. Well, there's going to be a challenge coming up, maybe. Uh, so, uh, what was the name of Luke's restaurant? Here you go. Here's the easy one. What was the name of Luke's his restaurant? Actual restaurant, or what they were going to call it? His actual restaurant. Oh boy, because they're going to call it Luke's place. That's actually incorrect. They were going to call it Luke's table. 
So you're going to get minus two for this question. Oh, no. <laughs> because um, you got um, that wrong as well. Um, oh, boy. They only mentioned it a hundred times. Uh, the name of Luke's restaurant currently is Metro Tavern. Oh yeah, Metro Tavern, and they are going to change it to Luke's Table, and it was uh, it was. So I'm Darcy starting. Who I'm starting the negative here. Is what you have. I've asked you two questions, and you have minus three. Oh boy, where you're at. Okay. Oh, my wife's uh, like, you're gonna watch this, and you're gonna forget everything about it right before the thing. I'm like, hey, you're probably right, but let's just do it. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. So. When Darcy joined the conference by video, remember, because the her partners were doing this like secret, uh, this secret con, like uh, like kind of takeover conference while she was away uh, visiting family for Christmas, uh, and so she decided to uh, secretly join the conference uh, with them not knowing, and so why she was there, like the, the the actual her actual partners, one of them is a white guy who looked like he was smelling something absolutely awful. <laughs> I would like you to tell me what it was that he was smelling. And there is a correct answer to this. Oh, what was he smelling? Um, let's think here. What was he smelling? Uh, he w- Someone farted in the room. And hmm. that's the best I can think of. Someone farted in the room. Uh, that is incorrect, Justin. Oh no, that is incorrect. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you know the answer to this later. Uh, okay, okay. all right. Okay, so, I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay, so I, I have a bunch of questions. I have so many questions. All right, so next. So question. do I. Why wasn't Luke, who again is the chef who is catering the event in which the movie ends on? Okay, this big event where a bunch of people are eating food. He's the chef who's catering and cooking all the food, etc. Why is he never in the kitchen, you know, cooking for the event? So so why so why isn't the chef ever in the kitchen? Well, someone's gotta smile at Darcy. I mean, if it's not gonna be him, who's it gonna be? Someone's gotta give a weird, crooked smile to that woman. And so that's his job. So he has no time to cook, he's gotta smile. Man, you're just you're like I don't even want I don't even I'm not even gonna yeah I'm moving on I'm moving on okay I'm moving all right. on all right next question okay. the father at the end when uh when Darcy tells him that he's going that she's coming back and that they're gonna work together etc the father says that he knew he'd get his daughter back in his company one way or another quote there's a really weird line. I want to know what was the other way that he was going to get her back in the company. <laughs> so he was. So, have you ever seen uh, falling down? He's I gonna, have indeed. He I was going to do a falling. He's going to go to New York and do a falling down type of scenario with her uh, agency she was working with. He's just going to slowly murder everybody. That was what she was. He was going to do. You I know what? I'm going to give you. A, I'm going to give you that one. Because the the correct answer was with a shotgun, and you, you that, that's close enough. That's close enough. It that's does that enough. and falling down plenty enough. Plenty enough. Okay. And then final question: Do people sweat in Hallmark movies? I don't. You know, I legitimately thought about that because, like, you know, they're not filming in the winter, right? You know, they're not, and so they're walking around in all these like winter clothes and sweaters and jackets and stuff. I'm like, how are they not? just boiling all the time if it was me i would have a hard time getting lines out i'd be like so darcy did you want to like 
God, it's so hard. Did you want to like maybe uh, get a bite to eat? Oh my God, put on a fan. I don't understand how they survive. So, uh, in order to become part of a Hallmark movie, an actor, you must first have all of your sweat ducts removed from your body in order to first start. So, no, they don't sweat because they are legally bound not to. Mm. Uh, I'm going to say that's an incorrect answer. Oh, man. Um, the correct answer is that, yes, one of them does. Much like there's a thing called a sin eater, right? Where one person eats the sins, like Michael uh, Michael Clark. So it's just from, one guy in the corner. There's just one guy on the set who's, who, who just is sweating for everybody. And you know who that one guy was? The white guy at the video conference. And that's what he was smelling. Oh, okay. I see. Bring it back. So let's just go back. I you see. Got, you got minus one for not knowing Luke Bennett. So you got minus minus one, minus excuse, two, minus two on top of that for not knowing Luke's wrestling. So that's minus three. Uh, let's see. You got minus. So you're down to minus four from not knowing the sweat answer. Minus five for getting the sweat answer wrong. Minus six for not getting the Luke Chef thing. So and I'm right about plus 10 one. Plus one for getting the falling down shotgun answer. So plus you're one. at a minus five. So you're at a no, minus five. You're, you're minus looking five. at the wrong side of the score. I'm That's looking at the five. plus one. That's All a right? minus. You owe me five points. So I'm yeah. really proud of what I did with that one there. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was a wonderful movie. Are you ready for the next round, sir? Yeah, I guess I want you to go first. I'm curious what you're going to say. I, I'm, I don't want to. I'm just. I just I want you to know. I told you when I, when I said this is the, get ready for the next month of your life. Uh, okay. When I gave you pride, prejudice, and missiles, and I hope, I hope what I assign doesn't step on any toes because I'm not original. Well, I have to copy you a little bit. So if you copy me here and do it, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. Uh, but the uh, because like you got to be creative. You have two weeks to come up with something, uh, and it would be really crappy if you just do the same thing I'm doing. But anyway, you need to watch the Hallmark Christmas movie, A Shoe Addict's Christmas, with Candace Cameron Bure. From Full House. That Luke was on before this thing tonight. Luke, Mafar Luke McFarland from Killjoys on Sci-Fi and Gene Smart from 24. So A Shoe Addict's Christmas from 2018. That was on before this? Yes. Was, I, I was like the two two shows. It's like, it was two movies a wonderful before wonderful way to spend a Friday evening. Oh, boy. Uh, I can't wait to watch that one. So... I'm going to do a Christmas movie as well. Now, the only reason why I'm picking this one, it really isn't because of your uh, Christmas movies you're giving me. And they're not, it's not a Hallmark. It certainly seems that way. It, it's I not. think it's more of a you can't come up with a good idea. No, I saw this like a Much week like and a half ago. You can never come up with a good joke, so you just, you know, it better yeah. not be the princess one on Netflix because I've already watched it. No. Uh, I'm choosing one. It is from Netflix. But the only reason why I'm choosing this because I looked at the picture I'm like, is that? Is that who I think it is? And so you're gonna watch Kurt Russell's The Christmas Chronicles on Netflix. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I just saw it because you love Kurt Russell, right? Uh, maybe he'll talk like he is from uh, Big Trouble in Little China in it. Who knows? But I saw that. I'm like, is that Kurt Russell? Jack is that Burton. Us? Yeah. So I saw this like a week and a half ago. Wings of like, Liberty oh. never lose a feather. I was like, Jeff is. If there's a Christmas movie on Netflix, Jeff's gonna like going to be a kurt russell based one i love so. christmas movies are you kidding i love them i, so, I love i love i love har hallmark christmas movies they're they're horrible uh but also oh god wonderful. yeah yeah so you're gonna watch uh christmas chronicle starring kurt russell so this is not a copy 
I swear. I like no, it's totally it's totally a copy. You're totally you're oh totally my god. No, it's totally what you're doing. It's totally what you're doing. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh it would be it would be nice if you could ever, you know, come up. I can't believe it was like a week and a half ago. Did you? Because it feels like you're just copying no. stuff like Anyway, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. So, Justin, uh, I think it would, now would be a good time to tell people that they could find us up on the old interwebs at lollygaggerco.com. Uh, you can also hit me up on Twitter at lollygaggerco, L-O-L-L. Uh, hang on, let me do that again. L-O-L-L-Y-G-A-G-G-E-R-C-O. Uh, Justin's up on Twitch from time to time. Justin, what is your Twitch handle, please? Come on, Justin. You don't know how to say your own name of your own thing. I mean, jeez. Uh, Twitch. I just spell. Twitch.tv slash Jehufa. Um, I did some uh, Udir Mythic tonight um, and some uh, uh, Black Ops. Do some more here, so. Wow. Those are really exciting. Uh, super exciting. Sounds... Whew. 8.1 comes awesome. out in like two weeks. I'll be doing that there too. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the Twitchies. Okay. And if, uh, if you like what you're hearing, uh, please maybe uh, rate, review, uh, drop us a little little note, little star, little little thumbs up, whatever it is you got to do on iTunes or Stitcher or any other place that you find our podcast. Uh, and if you have any ideas uh, for what we can terrorize each other with, uh, feel free to, to hunt us down. And other than that, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. <laughs>